Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord to the prophets. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise This past week, I learned of the famous walk of shame in Game of Thrones. How many of you know it? Now, not being a Thrones fan myself, I'll do my best to explain. Cersei Lannister, supposedly not a great character, is the queen of the Seven Kingdoms. After confessing adultery with her husband, her husband, she is stripped naked and paraded through the streets. She is jeered at. She is spat at as garbage and feces are hurled at her as shame, shame, shame is intoned over her. Such mob mentality was hard for many viewers to watch. For some, it reminded them that there is great entertainment in watching women being humiliated. The scene derives from accusations against Jane Shore, a mistress to England's King Edward IV in the late 1400s. She was also humiliated by a walk of shame through the city. And in 13th and 14th century France, such public shaming was a prominent humiliation for adultery. The punishment, often for women only, 
was designed to be a lasting stigma. It could ruin your life. Well, Merry Christmas, and <laughs> welcome to Matthew's story of the birth of Jesus. Not exactly a sweet Christmas carol that we heard. It's not a sanitized nativity scene. It's rated R, the story in Matthew. And it's filled with scandal, with stigma, with shame, and the messiness of being human. The main character isn't Mary, as it is in Luke's gospel. It is Joseph, described as righteous. In other words, Joseph has high ethical standards. He is a person of his word, a person of integrity, a person who does the right thing. And he's engaged to a, a wonderful young woman named Mary. But Mary is pregnant, and Joseph is not the father. And he must decide how to respond. If he calls attention to this out-of-wedlock pregnancy, Mary herself will have to do a walk of shame. She could be stoned to death, as outlined in Levitical law. And if Joseph divorces her quietly and saves her from public disgrace, as the text says, Mary's fate may be begging, prostitution, just to keep alive. Joseph will also have his reputation at risk. He will have to do his own walk of shame because of this illicit pregnancy. Not to mention Mary's outrageous, blasphemous claim that the baby's father is the Holy Spirit. In other words, God, Mary, yet one more woman who is not believed. And there's more. In Matthew's genealogy, the chapter before, the genealogy of, genealogy of Jesus, there are all kinds of shady characters. The trickster Jacob, David, who slept with another man's wife and then ordered the man to be murdered to guard his reputation. Tamer, who pretended to be a sex worker, and Rahab, who was one. Talk about shame. I've been thinking a lot about shame this past week. Some would say we feel guilt over something we did, but we feel shame over who we are. Either way, the words sham and shame were tossed around just days ago in the halls of Congress and more. Shame, 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 we heard shouted. Yet many of us felt a sense of sadness and shame for our country and the arrogant vitriol and partisan hate spewed forth. Some of you have read or heard Brene Brown talk about shame. She mentions that we all have shame, but rarely talk about it. Shame is the feeling that we are flawed, that we are unworthy of love. Many 
women feel shame because they are never thin enough, young enough, beautiful enough, or they're expected to be perfect all the time being as small, as sweet, as quiet as possible. But after studying women's shame for years, Brene Brown had a rude awakening to the shame that men carry as well. As one man told her with tears in his eyes, my wife and my daughters, the ones you signed all those books for, they'd rather me die on the top of my white horse than watch me fall off. You can say all you want about men being vulnerable and real, but come on, you can't stand it. It makes you sick to see us like that. These days, there's a phrase for the shame that many men carry, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is what happens when we teach boys they can't express emotion openly, that they have to be tough all the time, or not cry, or they come across as weak or soft. And all this tough guy talk can lead to violence, violent violence against women as an indicator of power. The thing is, we all carry some kind of shame in our walk through life. When everything becomes messy, Joseph has to look past the norms of his society and his own reputation. He gets his calling. He gets his answer in a dream. Like an earlier dreamer, Joseph, in the Hebrew scriptures. Joseph will need to surrender all he thinks he knows about fairness, about purity, about justice. By taking Mary as his wife and the mother of a child not his, he becomes the talk of the town, and not in a good way. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Joseph's strong sense of masculinity, in the best sense of the word, allows him to consent to a divine calling, to embrace a mess that he did not create, or as one writer puts it, to love a woman whose story he didn't understand, to protect a baby he didn't father, and to accept an heir who is not his own son. In the next few days, the days of Christmas, we also may feel a sense of vulnerability or even shame. At times, feelings will overtake us. Unmet expectations, difficult relations, a sadness we cannot explain. Maybe a sense that our gift or our words, or our very being, are somehow inadequate. Shameless, A New Reformation, is a book by Nadia Boltz Weber. She boldly states through the history of the church, there's been kind of this negative obsession with sex, with patriarchy, with purity. Many feel shame about their bodies and about sexuality. 
She says that it's time for us to reclaim the heart of the incarnation. God sharing all of what it means to be human. Our bodies are good. Sex is a gift of God, something to be honored, cherished, enjoyed, and yes, reverenced with trust and commitment. Whether it's the state of politics in our country, or the state of our beloved planet, or the state of our bodies and souls, we are Advent people waiting hoping, pleading, come, Lord Jesus. And yet it is into this messy, vulnerable, unfair, scandalous world, Christ comes, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in the shame and the doubt. God with us in the questions and the ambivalence. God with us in the disappointment in the confusion. God with us in a world or a life that's not turning out the way we always hoped it would. Through the imperfect story of Joseph and Mary and their walk of shame, salvation and healing comes to us. God is with you this day. God removes your shame removes your guilt. There is no walk of shame this day. Walk with grace to this table. Hold your head up high. You are a child of God. You are beloved. You are worthy of dignity. And then walk into the world. Walk outside these doors with grace. Reverencing all people reverencing all creatures as honored siblings. Let us welcome Emmanuel, God 